Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 30th, 2022. It is currently 9.58 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Well, it is time once again to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 24. If you've been following along for this long, lengthy study of Matthew 24, you know we have covered a lot of material. We've dealt with so many issues. We've done a little bit of study of church history. Some We've dealt, dealt with different perspectives on eschatology and biblical prophecy. We, we've dealt with so many issues. I cannot go back and review. This is part 11 of our study Please go back and listen to everything we've done in Matthew 24. I think it will be greatly beneficial, greatly helpful. Remember, the Bible study exercise series is designed specifically for you not just to be sitting there listening, but for you to be actively involved in Bible study. We don't want passive listeners. We want active participants. Notebooks, Bibles, reference tools, digging in, and actually involved in serious Bible study. There is a a major problem within the evangelical church. Christians are not reading their Bible. They're not studying their Bible. They're biblically illiterate, theologically illiterate, especially some serious illiteracy when it comes to church history. And so the Bible study exercise series is designed to try to combat that, fight that, and give people resources to say, hey, come on, join us, join us. Let's dig in to the Bible and let's study it. Now, remember the way I do the Bible study exercises is sometimes I do teaching. Sometimes I do just a lot of, well, it could be this and what about this and what about that? Hey, could you look this up, check this out, trying to get you involved. A lot of times I turn on the microphone and just give you all kinds of assignments and uh, and, and then you can obviously send those assignments to me, newsifyahoo.com. And then I will take a look at it, and sometimes I will provide a lot of feedback. Sometimes I will just say, good job. The main thing is, by you doing that, it kind of gives you a, a, level, a level of accountability that you're participating and you're sending me the work, which may motivate you to stay involved in actually looking things up. But you can find all of the Bible study exercises. Again, the best way to find all of them, the easiest way, is the Church uh, One app, Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. Remember, that's a generic app. It's used by all kinds of different broadcasters. So once you download it, you won't see Theology Central. You'll have to search for Theology Central, choose us, and then it basically becomes the Theology Central app. It pulls in all of our content, and then it breaks it down into different series. And uh, well, then you can just go to Bible Study Exercise, and there's well over 200 of them. And uh, you can just, well, listen until your heart's content. Plenty to choose from, and uh, you can use the material any way you want, all right? And another thing that we offer uh, with the Bible study exercises is curriculum, curriculum, and that's where we start today's Bible study exercise with the curriculum. Are you ready? This Bible study exercise, just so that you know, is going to be heavy on basically giving you assignments. This is not going to be heavy in teaching. This is going to be like, do this, do this and do this, all right? And hopefully you're willing to participate because I need some some church history detectives is what we need, and it's going to require you to go through uh, one of the works of Josephus and see if we can verify some claims that Josephus has information that would possibly be very important in how we interpret Matthew 24, all right? So that's what I'm going to uh, probably give you to do, but are you ready? Okay, first thing you need to do, if you have not looked at the curriculum, you need to find Unit 2, Session 2. Unit 2, Session 2. If anyone is listening and you don't have access to the curriculum and you would like access to the curriculum, simply email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Say I would like access to the curriculum. We send you a link. It's absolutely free for you. We are grateful for those who help support um, the uh, support this ministry. 
so that we can provide the curriculum to everyone because it does cost us. But we are grateful for those who help out. But it doesn't matter if you can't help out in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't matter, Even if you don't want to help out, it doesn't matter. We want the curriculum to be made available to anyone and everyone free of charge to them. So feel free to contact us. But if you uh, have access to the curriculum, find uh, open it up and find Unit 2, Session 2. Unit 2, Session 2. It is entitled, Know What's Coming. Know what's coming. Even in the darkest times, God has not abandoned his people. And the text for this, for the curriculum, for this session is Matthew 24, 15 through 22. Matthew 24, 15 through 22. Now, I know what you're saying if you've been with us and part one through 10. Wait a minute. We've been focused on Matthew 24 Basically, 1 through 15, yes, that's still where our focus is, but we've answered a lot of questions about Matthew 24, 1 through 13. So let me remind you, okay, when you come to Matthew 24, you really have two major, I mean, there's a lot of DV, I, I don't want to go, I can't go review everything, but basically there's two ways of looking at it. Matthew chapter 24 is either people take it and look at it and say, Matthew 24, yes, there may be a historical component, but primarily this is pointing us to the future. This is pointing us to the second coming of Jesus. And they look at it in a very futuristic perspective. They may admit that there's some historical aspects to it, but about the, I mean, about the second the historical idea is put forth. As soon as those words leave their mouth, they immediately turn their attention to future, future, future. And they start applying everything in Matthew 24 to some future fulfillment dealing with the second coming of Jesus. And that is a predominant, I think that's the predominant view and perspective of most of those in the evangelical church. Sermon after sermon preached on Matthew 24, verses quoted out of Matthew 24, and they're almost given a futuristic interpretation. Hey, how do you know Jesus is coming back? War, rumors of war, or earthquakes, and it's quoted all the time. You're like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if that's right, but that's the way people handle it. That's the predominant view. The other view is a more historical view. And when I mean historical, it means that when you look at Matthew 24, it is speaking of things that has has been fulfilled in history from our perspective. To the people it was originally spoken to, it was future for them, but it was fulfilled in 70 AD. So anyone living after 70 AD, these words were fulfilled in history. All right. Now, a lot of people push back on all of this. In our study, what we've discovered is that we believe that Matthew 24, verses 4 to 13, can clearly be seen as being fulfilled somewhere between 33 AD and 70 AD. I think we, I think not only is it possible, not only is it plausible, it seems to be, it makes the most sense, especially in the context, because remember in Matthew 24, Jesus walks out of the temple. The disciples are like, hey, look at, all, look at all of this. Isn't this amazing? And Jesus is saying, yeah, you look at it, it's all coming down. It's all going to be destroyed. And they're like, wait, what? When? What are you talking about? And then Jesus sets out to give them the signs pointing to the destruction of the temple, again, that occurred in history in 70 A.D., So there's the historical perspective and the futuristic perspective. Many, again, many will say, no, it's both. They will say it's, it's, it's history and future, but then immediately ignore the history and go straight to a futuristic interpretation. So we have, we've, I think we've done a very good job demonstrating that Matthew 24, 4 through 13, it makes the most sense to interpret that as being fulfilled before 70 AD. I'm not going to review everything we've talked about there but because then this will take too long. So we, we said that possibly we put forth a possible idea that starting in verse 14, a trend, it's kind of the transition verse where it transitions from history to future. In other words, you could say verses 4 through 13, that was fulfilled before 70 AD, but starting in verse 14, boom, now we transition to the future. We put forth that idea. Now, remember in our Bible study exercises, I give you different ideas. I try to get you involved, right? That's that's what we put forth. Now, on uh, the last time we did a Bible study exercise, I think that was Wednesday night, right? A Bible study exercise on Matthew 24. 
we started calling into question strongly that verse 14 is transition and, and points to the future. We started pointing strongly to the fact that is it possible that Matthew 24, 14 was fulfilled before 70 AD. Now there's immediate re, re, re pushback and rejection of that idea, but I think we did a pretty good job demonstrating that it's it's very likely that it was fulfilled before 70 AD. And we're going to do a little bit of a more conform, confirming that here in the next few minutes. So that would lead us then starting in verse 15 and following. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to focus on 14 and 15, but I want you to grab the curriculum because the curriculum will start in verse 15 and go ahead and move you towards verse 22. Now, the curriculum clearly has a futuristic bent. It definitely looks at it from a futuristic perspective, but i like you to see here and see all the different perspectives. So please look at Unit 2, Session 2. If you have not read the curriculum, read the curriculum. If you have, if you see anything in it that doesn't make any sense, or you or you're confused by, it, or you have questions, send me those questions. We'll dedicate an entire session of the Bible study exercise to just what the curriculum says. So we'll probably do that maybe tomorrow. We'll look at the curriculum for Matthew 24, 15 through 22, maybe Sunday afternoon, um, possibly, or we'll do that on Monday. But if you, if you please, that's just that's a clear assignment work on it. Let me know what you find. You don't have to do anything. Just read it and you can, you can share your thoughts or questions or anything that arises from Matthew 24, 15 through 22, but read the curriculum, right? Again, it's unit two, session two is entitled, Know What's Coming. Know What's Coming. I think I have a feeling that's definitely pointing to the future. I I think that definitely, they're going to go heavy to the future. I'm very curious how they handle verse 15 and you'll see why, all right? So, so verse, so we up to verse 14, we thought 14 was the transition. We called that into question, which would lead us to verse 15 and the next, and, and all the way down to verse 22. That's going to be a, a major focus this coming week. But today, I want you to just focus in on verse 14 and verse 15. Verse 14 and verse 15. Let's read them, right? Matthew 24, verse 14. And verse 15. Here we go. Here's verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Most people read that and say that's never happened. So we we know that the second coming will occur when the gospel has been preached into all the world. Then we know it will occur. Then we'll know the second coming. Then we know the end will come. That's how most people interpret that. Uh, we've called that into question, and we're going to call that into question even more here in the next few minutes. Then verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Now, a lot of people take verse 15 and clearly, again, once again, think that that was not fulfilled in 70 AD or any time before 70 AD, that this is going to be fulfilled in the future when the temple is going to be rebuilt, then the Antichrist will walk into the temple and declare himself to be God. They say that's what that's pointing to. Is it possible That verse 15 is pointing to something that has already been fulfilled and it was fulfilled leading up to 70 AD. And is it possible that Josephus gives us three possible fulfillments of it? That's where I'm going to need you to do some detective work. All right. So are you ready? Verse 14 and 15. Let's consider verse 14. Uh, first and foremost, all right? All right, so the gospel has to be basically published among all the nations. Now, according to one source, I want you to listen carefully, right? So I'm going to read this again, Matthew 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. If you go to Mark chapter 13, Mark chapter 13 Verse 10, it reads this way, and the gospel must first be published among all nations, 
right? So that's how Mark records it. Well, here is one commentary looking at this and listen to what they say, right? This is very important. Uh, The gospel would be published among all nations. This would all take place first before the destruction of Jerusalem. For Paul's understanding of how the gospel had already been preached to every nation in his day. I'll stop right here. Their argument is this. When we read this prediction that, hey, the gospel is going to be preached into all the world before the ends come, and that end is referring to the destruction of the temple, which is the context of Matthew 24, they say the reason we know this was fulfilled is the apostle Paul claims that it was fulfilled in his day. And there's a lot of scriptures they point to. Are you ready? Let's look at them. First, let's go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. And we'll see if these actually prove it. That's their argument. We're going to see if these verses actually prove what they claim they do. Romans chapter 16, because this is a typical thing that happens in commentaries. Hey, these verses prove the point. They don't quote the verses. They just throw out the references. You have to look them up. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever realized this. Well, some Christians don't look them up, okay? That's a problem. You always have to look them up because sometimes you'll look them up and you'll be like, wait a minute. Does that really prove what this commentary just claimed that this verse proves? And then sometimes you'll have to just say, nope, I don't think that works. So let's let's play that game here and see what happens, right? Romans chapter 16, verse 26. Romans chapter 16, verse 26. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Their argument is Paul is saying that uh, that this is now made manifest to all nations, indicating that it's been proclaimed, it's been preached to all nations. Some people, I, I don't think that that's what that is saying. I understand, I understand, but there's 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 verse number, there's the first one, Romans 16, 26. The next one, which we talked about on Wednesday, is Colossians. And I believe Colossians is definitely... Probably maybe the best, I think maybe the best argument. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. All right, here we go. Uh, We'll go back to verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, wherefore you heard before and the word of the truth of the gospel. So now here clearly speaking of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth. Paul is making an argument that the gospel which has come to you is is also gone into the all the world, which would be a fulfillment of Matthew 24, uh, 14, where the gospel has to be proclaimed into all the world, published in all the world. Here, Paul is saying it's gone into all the world. And, and writing Colossians somewhere in the 60, before 70 AD, 60, 61, 62, 63 AD, whenever you want to date the writing of Colossians, but it's clearly before 70 AD. That would be a major argument for it. Go to Colossians 1, verse 23. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wow, that that seems pretty dogmatic. Paul seems to make, Paul seems to be dogmatically claiming that the gospel has been preached to every creature, it's gone into all the world. That's before 70 AD. Now, I know initially people are like, no way, Matthew 24, 14 could not have been fulfilled before 70 AD. Clearly, this is the verse that transitions from a historical perspective to a futuristic. I'm arguing that I think verse 14, Matthew 24, 14, was fulfilled before 70 AD. 
And, and we, we talked about this on Wednesday, but there's more verses here. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. They point to more. Romans 1, verse 5. Romans 1, 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Okay. We, we could look that up in a number of translations. I'm not... Okay, let's go to verse 8. For I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you... Uh, let me read this again. Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Well, if their faith is being spoken of throughout the entire world, well, then the entire world would have to know that they have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and in the gospel. So you could, I think, I think it would be reasonable to say if their faith is being talked about in the uh, the whole world, well, then the faith would, I mean, if you're talking about someone's faith in the whole world, that the, the rest of the world would have to know what faith you're referring to, right? How about Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verse 18. Romans 10, verse 18. But I say, have you, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Once again, giving that, that same language that the message, the gospel, the words have gone into all the world. And then uh, Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 verse 19, uh, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round until, uh, and names all these places, um, I, I, I carry, um, if I can say this right, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, all right? So that would be, uh, okay, that, that doesn't name the whole world, but it names from Jerusalem into this other location, uh, Okay, but maybe maybe I'm interested to see what that geographical region would look like. Okay, look, let's go to verse 23. Um, but now having no more place, okay, there, here we go. This is what, so I see what they're doing. Verse 19, he names specific locations, right? Specific locations. Then in verse 23, he says, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire uh, these many years to come unto you, meaning there's no other place for him to go. All right, possibly, possibly. So I'll give you all those scriptures again. Romans 16, 26, Colossians 1, 6, Colossians 1, 23. Those to me are the best. Um, Romans 1, 5, Romans 1, 8, Romans 10, 18, Romans 15, 19, and Romans 15, 23. All right, possibly, I, again, I think Col I don't think we need more than Colossians. I think the others just add to it, but Colossians seems pretty dogmatic. So I think it's, it's safe to say that Matthew 24, 14, most likely was fulfilled before 70 AD. I think that is safe to say, based on what Paul had to say, all right? And again, they, I'm going to read what the commentary said again. The gospel would be published among all nations. This would take place first before the destruction of Jerusalem for Paul's understanding of how the gospel had already been preached to every nation in his day. I think that that is pretty clear and pretty dogmatic, all right? Now, That's verse 14, okay? Now, you can, you can do your own work there. Some are going to try to push back and try to argue and argue and argue and argue and argue. Here's the thing. You can argue all day, right? You can, you can sit here in 2022 saying, nope, you're all wrong. But you have to argue with the Apostle Paul who lived during that time. His, and his perception isn't one of guessing we believe that his words were placed there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So your argument has to be with Paul, not with me. Don't argue with me. You need to go back in time and call the Apostle Paul's side and go, come on, man. Clearly, the gospel didn't go into all the world. 
Clearly, this is not a fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14. Clearly, this is not that this does not fulfill that. So you're wrong, Paul. If you want to argue with the Apostle Paul, go ahead. When you want to argue with inspired scripture, go ahead. I'm not look, I can't, I can't, I mean, I there's no point in arguing with me because there's nothing else I can do other than say, here's what the other scriptures say. So I think Matthew 24, 14 will be added to verses 4 to 13 as being fulfilled before 70 AD, all right? I, I think that's the, the best I can, can do there, all right? Now, let's go to uh, Matthew 24, 15. Matthew 24, 15, all right? Uh, okay, yes, all right, let's go to Matthew 24. I was going to think of it. I was thinking of another verse my mind was thinking of another verse, but I'm thinking of something else. I think, I think there's something else in Romans that I'm thinking about that may help, but, but I, I, I don't have it at the top of my head. Let's just go to Matthew 24, 15, because this is where your homework really jumps in. Here we go. Matthew 24, 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet uh, stand in the holy place, Okay, let me read this again. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Who Whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, again, many, the futurist will say this is going to be in a new temple. The Antichrist is going to come in. And that's the abomination of desolation that we have to be looking, that, that, that's going to be the, you know, one of the key signs of the end. Well, what if that actually already occurred somewhere between 33 and 70 AD, all right? Let's see what they have to, let's see how this commentary handles it. They're going to point us to the writings of Josephus, and your job is to seek these writings out and either verify or deny these claims. You ready? Here we go. Daniel spoke about a profaning or desolating of the temple. See Daniel 8.13, Daniel 9.27, Daniel 11.31, and Daniel 12.11. Now, the one thing we do have to consider is this profaning or desolating of the temple, we definitely know it occurred in B.C., like 134, 163 B.C., right? We know it happened there. Clearly, that can't be what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24, 14. He has to be talking about, or 24, 15. He has to be looking at something that happened somewhere between his words and 70 AD. Daniel talks about it. Does Daniel point to possibly what happens in the 100 BC time frame? And is he also pointing to what happens in 70 AD? Now, some would argue, well, he's also pointing to something future. But... If if Jesus takes Daniel's words and points to something that happens before 70 AD, then it's not pointing to something in the future. It's pointing to something that happens before 70 AD. Let's see what they have to say here. The abomination of desolation attempts to identify a specific fulfillment, attempts to identify a specific fulfillment include the following. Here we go. Number one. A false priest assuming the priesthood. So according to this, there's been attempts to identify the specific fulfillment, and the specific fulfillment occurred when a false priest assumed the priesthood. Now, we read about this, and Josephus and his work on war now, and I'm going to give you the, their, the way they give us the section, all right? So you have to look up. In, in fact, let me do something here. I'm going to look here. If you look up, and I believe the book they're referring to, Of the War by Josephus. Of the War. I think that is the book they're referring to, Josephus of the War, all right? Uh, or the Jewish, okay, that would be the chapter, that would be chapter four, I think, or book four. So it would be the Jewish war. I guess it would be the, the actual definition of the book. Yeah, Jewish, the Jewish war or the history of the destruction of Jerusalem by Josephus. Book four in this work is called, let me go back to it, is called Of the War. 
So this would be called the Jewish War or the History of the Destruction of Jerusalem by Josephus. So this is the work, I, I believe, in which they are referencing or saying that we read about the fulfillment of Matthew 24, verse 15, right? So you will need to search for it. The Jewish War or the History of the Destruction of Jerusalem by Josephus, it's free online. And then you'll notice there's the, the, there's the preface and then, then there's book one, which I see book one is called Of the War, book two... Uh, so, okay, each one is called Of the War. So that's interesting. So you have Of the War, Book 1, Of the War, Book 2, Of the War, Book 3, Of the War, Book 4, Of the War, of, uh, Book 5. So it's called The Jewish War, but each book in it is, is referenced as Of the War, just to make sure I can give you as specific information as possible. All right? You definitely will want to look for this so that you can do your own verifying of these claims. They're claiming that, hey, Josephus in the Jewish war, he gives us some possible fulfillments of Matthew 24, 15, and this would all be fulfilled somewhere before 70 AD. And the first one supposedly he points to, the, the first one he supposedly points to is the a false priest assuming the priesthood, all right? Um Okay, someone just posted uh, in chat, Romans 16, 24 through 26. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the word world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. That's Romans 16, 24 through 26, which would be another scripture that would seem to prove that Matthew 24, 14 was fulfilled, all right? I, I think that may be what I was referring to. I think we may have made a partial reference to that, but there we go, all right? So there, uh, hopefully that, that is beneficial. Now, back to this. So Josephus, again, let me give you the name of the book. The Jewish War or the History of the Destruction of Jerusalem. In that work, there's all these book one, book two, book three, book four, and they are all referenced as of the war, okay? Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Now, let's go back to this commentary. Here's what we have. The abomination of desolation attempts to identify a specific fulfillment include, number one, a false priest assuming the priesthood. According to this commentary, we need to look up Josephus, war, and here's how they reference it, 4.3.6 through 10. 4.3.6 through 10. Now, I have not verified what he's referring to here. That's going to require, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this for you to do so. I'm going to give this to you as an assignment. We need to verify that. Does is there something in that section of Josephus, uh, you know, war four point three point six through ten? That's literally how they have it written out. They don't give us any other information. Four point three point six through ten. We need to find this section where it describes a false priest assuming the priesthood, and then ask ourselves: Does that fulfill? Did that fulfill Matthew twenty four fifteen? That's what we have to be able to determine. And I'm going to leave this to you. Obviously, we'll probably be doing this together and working on this maybe Sunday night at, at church when we talk about this again. But I, I, for now, I want to, to give you this, you the opportunity, should I say, the responsibility to verify, does this fulfill it? So there, there's, there's the first attempt. A false priest assumes the priesthood, and it says, see Josephus war, 4.3.6 through 10. 4.3.6 through 10. Right? You, you can write that down. Josephus War, 4.3.6.10. I'm assuming the four would be book four, 
point three and point six, would that be the sections in that book? Maybe you, you can look and see what you can find. Number two, the presence of unlawful images of God or humans or certain human or humans themselves, such as and and and. and Antiochus, Epiphanes, Caligula, Vespasian, Vespasian, or Titus, who were not to be allowed within the temple precincts. All right. So they're saying the second possible solution here, or or the second possible way this was fulfilled, is that there were presence of unlawful images of God or humans, or certain humans themselves, such as Antiochus, Epiphanes, Caligula, Caligula, Vespasian or Titus, and they were not allowed within the temple precincts, but that this occurred and this, they say, would be fulfilled. Um, Okay, good. Um, Someone just uh, said that they found uh, the free Josephus book on Apple Books. All right, so there you go for those Apple devices. There's probably a, a lot of other places you can find it online. All right, so the second possible fulfillment is the presence of unlawful images of God or humans. And then they named certain humans, Antiochus, Epiphanes, Caligula, Vespasian, or Titus, right? And that these were not allowed within the temple precincts. And supposedly Josephus wore 4.4.1 through 4 and 7.1 describes this. So if they set up unlawful images of God or humans, Certain uh, or certain humans themselves, right? In other words, you would even have the presence of unlawful images of God or humans or certain humans themselves, which came into the temple precincts, such as Antiochus Epiphanes, Caligula, Vespasian, or Titus, then would this be a fulfillment of Matthew 24, 15? Would this be a fulfillment of Matthew 24? Again, here is where we have to look. Josephus War, here we go, Four point. Four point one through four seven point one. All right, that's how they give us the reference. Now, the reason I want us to look this up is one you have to learn that whenever you read anything and they say, Hey, this book gives you the fulfillment, this book proves it. You got to go look it up yourself. You have to verify it, or you can just take someone's word. And what a lot of people do is just say, hey, in Josephus' war, it proves it. And you're like, did you ever actually read it? Well, no. Okay, well, then don't cite it. We have to look it up to verify if this is true, right? Josephus' war, 4.4.1 through 4. Okay, 4.4. Let me read this again. 4.4.1 through 4.7.1. Wow, that's just, (laughs) how to try to track that reference down may be a little problem. It may be super simple once we figured this out, but I just want you to say, I'm I'm assuming, again, we're back in book four. I'm assuming uh, both of these references have to be somewhere within book four. That that, That's the best way I can understand this. Again, 4.4.1 through 4. 0.7.1, right? Number three, the third possible fulfillment, the presence of the Antichrist in the temple, and they point us to 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 54 through 64, and 2 Maccabees chapter 8, verse 17, Mm, that's interesting. First Maccabees chapter one, verse 54 through 64, and second Maccabees chapter eight, verse 17, and that's apocryphal books. But if they, many people will believe Maccabees offers some very good history, we'd have to figure out the time frame that that's referencing. Because again, the only way for, the only way for it to be a true fulfillment is it would have to occur between Jesus making the prediction in Matthew 24, 15 and 70 AD. So I'm going to look at something. Uh, Okay, I'm going to look here. I'm going to do a little bit of research here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anything here. Um, 
see here. Okay. Yeah, see this, I think first Maccabees is, is BC. Maccabees is best known for its account of the early victory of the Maccabean revolt and the recapture of Jerusalem in the year 164 BC and the rededication of the second temple. The narrative behind the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. So I don't know how this one would be. Yeah, the Jerusalem Bible suggests 1 Maccabees was written about 100 BC and certainly before the capture of Jerusalem by the Roman general Pompey in 63 BC. So I don't know how Maccabees... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that argument. That doesn't make any sense to me. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that one... I'm I'm going to reject that one. That just because that seems to be referencing how could that be a fulfillment of 70 AD? Why would Jesus be making a prediction in Matthew 24:15 that something has to happen future of a future to him speaking those words would be somewhere 31 30, 32 33 AD somewhere around that time frame pointing towards the future? And then we say that somehow that we look for a possible fulfillment in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verses 54 through 64, or 2 Maccabees 8, 17. Then you would have to be arguing that 1 Maccabees 1, 54 through 64, or 2 Maccabees 8, 17 is pointing to something future of it, which would that be pointing to 70 AD? So I... We, we can look up those second sections in 1 Maccabees and 2 Maccabees. You, again, you can find 1 Maccabees and 2 Maccabees online. I just, I, that, that seems to be referring to things happening in the BC era before Christ, not, not something that's going to occur either before, between 32 AD and 70 AD or somewhere even yet to be fulfilled. That, that I don't think that works. So the best arguments that they offer is that somehow the abomination of desolation took place, number one, when a false priest assumed the priesthood, and this is found supposedly in Josephus War 4.3.6 through 10. 4.3.6 through 10. Number two, the presence of unlawful images of God or humans or certain humans themselves, such as Antiochus Epiphanes, Caligula, Vespasian, and the one that's most important to me is Titus, because, well, Titus, that's 70 AD specifically, who were not to be allowed within the temple precincts. So clearly this is, implies that Titus came within the temple precinct, and they say this would be the abomination of desolation. And they point us to Josephus' war, 4.4.1 through 4, Point seven point one. That is what they point to as a possible fulfillment. Now I know it doesn't. That doesn't have the same dramatic feel as we typically. It's typically preached that the new temple is going to be built, and then the Antichrist is going to walk into the temple and declare himself to be God, and then everyone is going to know that that everything has gone horribly wrong and that this person is evil. That's how it, I mean, that, that preach is really good. It's dramatic. It makes for a good movie. It makes for a good novel. But is that what is being spoken of in Matthew 24, verse 15, when, he, when Jesus takes Daniel's prophecy of the abomination of desolation and when you therefore shall see, so to the people he's speaking to, when you shall see this, they asked about the destruction of the temple. When you see the abomination of desolation, and they'll look at verse 16, then let them which be in Judea or Judah flee into the mountains. When you see the abomination of desolation, run. Clearly pointing to something future from Jesus which I think has to be pointing, well, at least an argument would be pointing to 70 AD. Josephus gives us at least, he gives us three, or well, I, I can't say this. This commentary gives us three possibilities. Two of them involve Josephus in his writings of, of the Jewish war. And again, uh, the first one is a false priest assuming the priesthood. Josephus war 4.3.6 through 10. Number two, the presence of unlawful images of God or humans. 
uh, are certain humans themselves, such as Antiochus Epiphanes, Caligula, uh, Vespasian, or Titus, who were not to be allowed within the temple precincts, and then Josephus War 4.4.1 through 4.7.1, or the number three, they say the presence of the Antichrist in the temple, and they point to 1 Maccabees 1, 54 through 64, and 2 Maccabees 8 through 17, and that's all they have. They don't, they don't offer any real explanation for those possible fulfillments. But if 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 any of those can be, uh, to me, number two is the best option. Because if we have Titus coming into the temple precinct, which was forbidden and not allowed, would that not be the abomination of desolation that would clearly point to 70 AD? Because that would be Titus, that would be 70 AD, and that would fit the context of Matthew 24. All right? I think that makes the most sense. I think that makes makes the most sense. But you can you can look and see for yourself. I'm going to do say I'm going to look at one other thing here. Give me a second. Let's see. I'm going to go to I'm going to look up one thing here. Because I want to verify something. I'm going to go to BibleHub.com. That's not BibleHub. Here's BibleHub. All right, here we go. All right, give me one second. I'm going to look up this part of the world. I'm I'm verifying something here. I know it's not the most, um, the most dramatic, but that's okay. All right. I'm going to look at something here. All right, that's not helpful. Okay, go back. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to go forward. Romans 15, 19, where he names these places. All right, Romans, I'm looking here. I'm going to go to a commentary here. All right. Okay, I'm looking uh I'm okay. I'm trying to look when when Paul describes all the places he had gone and he and he starts with Jerusalem. Um and I'm looking at this area. I'm trying to see how much area that would cover. I'm, we're talking Matthew 24, 14 about the gospel going into all the world. Um, yeah, this this it's a, this area deals with a Roman province stretching along the eastern coast and forming the northern ba- uh, boundary, going all the way to the northwestern of Macedonia. So I, I'm just trying to look at the area. It, it's, 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 I mean, I'm not going to say it's a jacket. I would have to look at a map to figure this out. So I don't know if that's super helpful. But when you when you continue on, as was uh, someone uh, posted in the the chat, you have him saying made known to all the nations. So I, I still think Matthew 24, 14. Again, Colossians, I think to me is sufficient. I think uh, Colossians proves it. And as far as Matthew 24, 15... Well, we have to figure out what Josephus has to say, and you can look at that and see what you what you what conclusion you come to. All right, I'm going to verify nothing else is in chat. I'm going to verify that everything is good here, because after so many. Okay, um, someone is saying that I guess in the, the Josephus the book that it mentions abomination of desolation. I think they are referring to the actual, uh, they're looking at the, the Josephus's work right now. They'll have to give me, um, they'll have to give me the section. So I'm going to ask them which section of Josephus mentions abomination of desolation. And can you tell if he's referring to what happened in BC or if he's referring to something that happened somewhere close to 70 AD? You may not have time to be able to draw that determination, but if you can tell me, uh, oh, no, the Maccabees book. Okay, uh, the Maccabees refers to uh, abomination. Okay, I would assume uh, Maccabees would. I would Because I, I, I think Maccabees is where we get the information 
or at least we we get a lot of information of how Daniel's prophecy, I believe, was fulfilled. All right. Uh, so I believe yeah, Maccabees is very important in giving us the history of the Maccabean revolt and everything that occurred there, which definitely would point to Daniel's abomination of desolation there. But then Jesus takes that abomination of desolation and applies it to obviously something after what the uh, Maccabees would record. So that's why I didn't like the, the looking to Maccabees as a fulfillment of Matthew 24, 15. It just makes no sense because that would be Jesus saying, hey, when you see this happening, he would be saying, no, when you saw this happen in the past, no, it, so clearly Jesus takes Daniel's prophecy and points to something future, future him, future them at that time. So I think somewhere between 32 AD and 70 AD. And we could say that whatever happened in the past was a partial fulfillment of Daniel, but it had a future implication. And then Jesus takes it and applies it to, well, I think the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. So uh, we'll have to, we'll do some more work on Josephus and uh, see what we can find because Josephus gives us two possible solutions, two possible solutions, at least according to one commentary. Now, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. There you go. Hopefully that was beneficial. Hopefully that was beneficial. And I think the one thing I need to do here, I think the one thing I do need to do here is we do need to do this. Hang on. I'm going to close out this. I think we do need to do this. Hang on. Let's see if this works. Just for a little bit of fun, we do need to do this. Illyricum. 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 That is the place Paul went to. Jerusalem, Illyricum. All right. I don't know what I thought it was. I thought it was something, a a different place, Illyricum, but Illyricum is really a a Roman province. So I did verify that. Illyricum is where he went from Jerusalem to Illyricum or to that area. It seems like some of the commentaries disagree that he may not have actually went to Illyricum, but to that particular area or region. There's some dispute. And where, what, where does that cover? Like, that, I don't think that's going to say that proves he went into all the world, but Paul himself says that the gospel had gone into all the world. So whether Jerusalem to Illyricum, that, why, the comment, why that one commentary pointed us to that verse is what was throwing me off because I kept saying Jerusalem to, I, I was thinking of a different location, but Illyricum, I was sitting there going, wait a minute, I don't think, does Jerusalem, because the, that's what I'm sitting here looking at it right now. So, so obviously we know where Jerusalem is, but Illyricum, see, I'm looking at all the places. It's a Roman province and it stretches along and it, and it gives me some of the areas. And I'm like, I don't, why did they give me that one? Yeah, that one just doesn't seem very helpful. That doesn't seem very helpful. And then if we go to, is it verse 23? We go to verse 23. Um, uh, See, but now, like Romans 15, 23, but now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions. In other words, seeming to say, look, a a New Living Translation, but now I have finished my work in these regions. So he he finished uh, in Ercurium, he finished all the work to be done in that region. All of it was done. So I guess I guess what they're trying to demonstrate is that say I don't even know why they would quote that. I, that doesn't to me prove Matthew 24:14. I think you have to take everything Paul says in Romans 1 all the way to the end all the way to end of Romans to Romans or Romans 15 is it 26 I believe. Romans is it Romans 15:26? Let me look at it. Yeah, that Ecurium that does not help me. Yeah, I think verse 1526 or 1626 uh, makes the most sense. 1626 makes the most sense. That fifth that chapter 15 with Jerusalem to Akirium just doesn't that one was throwing me off. That one was throwing me way off. I'm like, where, where? How 
And, and maybe I'm maybe I don't understand how how much re, how much of the area that covers. But Jerusalem, Deuterium, I'm not like whoa. There, there's the whole the whole gospel. The, the the whole world heard the gospel. I think they're just demonstrating that at least this shows a, a, a large area was covered with the gospel. That to me just adds more confusion to it. Colossians one. I think it's verse 6 and verse 23, to me, is sufficient, where Paul clearly says the gospel has gone into all the world. It's been given to every creature. And if you disagree with Paul, well, then you're calling into question Scripture. So there you have it. So I think that proves Matthew 24, 14 has been fulfilled. Matthew 24, 15, well, we're, we're trying to look at some possible fulfillments that Josephus gave us. Maccabees, I don't think, is very helpful. All right, so I apologize there for, for, uh, but I was really thrown off by the Jerusalem to Acurium thing. All right, okay, all right. Uh, someone said I said it correctly. I, I, I don't think I did, but uh, if I if I did, I just, I just like to verify when I when I think I said something incorrectly. I think my mind I was thinking of a different area. So I whatever I was saying, my mind was not put it this way. I wasn't thinking it. I was thinking of another place. Put it that way. I was thinking Jerusalem and another place. Um, so even though I was reading whatever, if I read the word correctly, I, my mind was not thinking that location. I was trying to think of a different place, and I was thinking, wait, Jerusalem to there. And I was like, I don't know if that works either. So I, I was still confused. I was still confused because I was just trying to figure out how does that, how does that prove that the gospel went into all the world? That's not, that's not the world. That is, that is like, I'm trying to f- picture the region. And so, but um, later on in chapter 16, when he says he's made known to all nations, I think that that is uh, beneficial. But there you go. Your assignment, the curriculum, which starts in verse 15, which may offer their perspective on the abomination of desolation. And number two, look up all of those references in Josephus. And again, the name of the book, if I can find it, is is the Jewish war or the history of the destruction of Jerusalem. We're trying to find those sections that the commentary said, hey, this is a possible fulfillment of Matthew 24, 15. There you go. Now, I could just have found the sections for you and just read them to you and then say, did this fulfill it? I could have done that, but that would have then robbed you of the opportunity to actually dig into study, which the whole point of the Bible study exercise has always been to get you involved, not for you not just to passively listen. All right. Yes, I will. Uh, I'm going to do this. Okay, someone just asked me to post the section. I'm going to take, I'm going to post a screenshot. What is here? I'm going to save the image. All right, I'm going to save the image, and then someone wants me to post it in the Discord channel. All right, yeah, someone posted uh, first uh, Maccabees. All right, so... Uh, so there, there we go. So I'm going to grab this. I'm going to post this in the Discord channel. And now it is there. Okay. And uh, again, for those who may need me to give you the references again, the first one is Josephus War 4.3.6 through 10. Second one is 4.4.1 through 4.7.1. <laughs> I know, a mouthful. All right. And, and, and we want to find these references because if these references, if we, if we can read these references and go, whoa, that's, that would be the abomin that would prove the abomination of desolation took place before 70 AD or uh, at 70 AD, then that would be great. And then we, we could then say 14 and 15 has been fulfilled. They're not future. Then we start in verse 16. And we keep working our way verse by verse through Matthew 24 until we find the section where we're like, uh, sorry, that could not be fulfilled in 78. Sorry, preterist, that could not, could not work, 
right? And remember, I don't care about which team I offend. I don't care if I offend the futurist. I don't care if I uh, offend the historical view. I don't care if I offend the preterist. All I want to do is find out the truth. I don't have to worry about a side. I don't have to worry about defending, quote unquote, my colors or my gang. The key is to find the truth of the text. So we've just worked through, and I think it's very clear to say Matthew 24 through 14, fulfilled before 70 AD. Verse 15, we're still, mm, I'm not so sure, but Josephus gives us two possibilities. I don't know if those rise to the level of abomination of desolation. I don't, what, what, what's required to, I, I, I did this on Wednesday when I asked everyone, so what would be required to fulfill Matthew 24, 14? And no, and a lot of people in the church would refuse to give me an answer. But I was wanting them to say, this is what would be required. And then we went to Colossians and go, well, did that meet your requirement? Well, um, the same thing here, what would be required in your mind to fulfill the abomination of desolation? And someone just posted, um, okay, yeah, here's uh, book four. They just posted to book four, which is... um, and I think I think it has to be book four. I think that's where those quotes have to be coming, or those references have to be being pulled from. It has to be book four. I I, I agree. Someone just posted book four in the channel, and I, I think that that is, I think that's where it has to be. It has to be there. All right, but there you have it. All right. I hope that was helpful. I hope. I hope. I know um, the 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 problem with doing. The the problem with working through Matthew 24 and a way that we're working through it is it can be very difficult and very confusing at times. But here's what I challenge you. Don't allow the confusion to discourage you or to just say, well, I can't figure it out. We have to live within the confusion so that when we come out of the confusion, it will make, I think then we'll, we'll, we'll have a better understanding We'll have a better understanding by going through the confusion than we would by just skipping the confusion. And you just listen to someone say, okay, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew 24, 15, that abomination of desolation, that was fulfilled. And Josephus tells us it was fulfilled because there was a pre- there was a false priest who assumed the priesthood or because these individuals' images, or they walked into the temple area, which was forbidden, therefore the abomination, and just say it dogmatically, that... That to me is not, that doesn't help you. Leading you to go, well, what about this? And what about this? And struggling with it, struggling through it with you is to me the key. All right. I I think that's the key. And I'm sorry, I turned away from the microphone because there's a bunch of kids right underneath my window. I don't know what they're doing. Sounded like they were singing. And I'm I'm like, what kids? Get off my yard. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say that. But uh, I was going to say, hey, I am. I'm recording. Do, Do you care? But they don't care. But yes, I think the confusion is, is to me beneficial. It doesn't feel beneficial, but when it's all said and done, you'll be like, whoa, you'll, you'll, you'll remember far more by going through the confusion, trying to figure it out. than you remember when someone just turns on the microphone and gives you three points and concludes and you're like, oh, that you may say that was good, but it was you just are relying on someone else telling you something. When you are involved in the work yourself, it becomes you. You take ownership of what you discover. You take ownership of what you find. Therefore, you will remember it, and it will mean a lot more to you. So I, I could have looked up those sections. I mean, I've got Josephus's work right here in front of me. So I could start looking for those sections and then read them to you. But again, it, it's better for you to do so. And that's the whole reason the Bible study exercises are, form, are formed the way they are, where I do a little bit of teaching, I do some like I know, some things like I don't know to get you involved in the process. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see if there's any more. All right, okay. Nothing else has been said in the ch- chat uh, for the podcast episode, for the live broadcast. So I'm going to stop right there. At, right there. So I think I, I am going to say dogmatically, I believe Matthew 24, 14. This is my, where I stand right now. I believe it was fulfilled. I believe there's just too much. Paul just makes too many references to every creature of the world. It's just, there's just no way. Matthew 24, 14 was fulfilled before 70 AD. And whatever, whatever was required for it to be fulfilled, 
Paul seems to indicate that it was. Verse 15, about the abomination of desolation, I'm still struggling with that one. I still think Titus' destruction of the temple, is that not an abomination of the desol- abomination of desolation? I mean, doesn't he just completely defile it? I mean, he destroys it. it, it it's, it's burned, it's destroyed. I, I, I think that has to be, that has to be referring to Titus in 70 AD. It has to be. I just, I just don't see how it would be something future. It just doesn't make sense. Um, this has to be that. Now you could say, well, well, it, it was 70 AD. It was, it was Antiochus Epiphanes and 160 something BC. It was Titus in 70 AD and it's going to be future. But, but the problem is with that is, wait a minute, Jesus just took Daniel's prophecy and if he's pointing to 70 AD, why would you then look for a future fulfillment beyond 70 AD? Now, some people are going to go to 2 Thessalonians, I believe 2 Thessalonians, but 2 Thessalonians was written, what, in 50-something AD, so why wouldn't 2 Thessalonians be pointing to 70 AD as well? I think, I think the abomination of desolation, I think it's highly probable that somehow it was fulfilled in 70 AD as well. That, that's what I'm going to go with. And you, you can see if Josephus gives us any answers. All right, I'll start right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That took so much longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be about 30 minutes. Because my original plan was just say, hey, guys, here's these references in Josephus. See if you can find them today. That's what I wanted to do. And then I turned into... <laughs> Hey, let's work on verse 14 again. Hey, let's do, hey, let's look at this. Hey, wait a minute. Where, where, where is this air, Jerusalem to, I don't have the word in front of me again, to this air, where, where, where is that? Wait, wait, did I even say that? Then we, then we just started more and more, but you know what? That's, that's the whole fun part of doing the Bible study exercises is we, we just work on it together. So there you go. All right. Thank you. Everyone have a great day. I'll be doing live broadcasts throughout the day and evening. Um, we'll just, I don't know when or what time. But whenever I have things to talk about, I'll just come up here and turn on the microphone and we'll talk about them. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.